Thanks for tuning in to our podcast series, Inside Impact Investing. In this episode, we're going to talk about executive remuneration. Responsible investors can limit too high CEO salaries. They can reduce the income spread by encouraging balanced and fair remuneration policies and practices. This limits CEO remuneration and reduces the income spread in listed companies. We have as guest Xavier Baten, partner and professor of reward and sustainability at Vlerik Business School, specialized in corporate governance and executive remuneration, and Fabian Meis, CFA, investment analyst at Triados Investment Management. My name is Hans Tegeman and you're listening to Inside Impact Investing. Welcome, Xavier. Let's start with the problem of inequality in general. There has been a lot of writing and talking about that it's getting bigger and bigger. How do you see that, Xavier? What we do see in general is that the remuneration levels of CEO are not, if I look at continental Europe, it's not the case that they are increasing all the time. For example, COVID also had a clear impact. But of course, we do see an increased attention towards, okay, what is the pay level of the top executives vis-a-vis, I would call it the average in the organization. Mm -hmm. Now, the point there is that that is some sort of mental shift, because if we look at boards, how they have always been looking at executive pay is to compare it with the market. I want to have a new top executive. How do we pay our executives relative to the market? And in most cases, we want to be a little bit better than the market because our CEO, our top executives are also better. And the main challenge there is also to have that mental shift at the level of the board members to also take a look at other things. For example, the average remuneration in the company. What I also do see is that in remuneration committees, they are starting also to look at the remuneration, living wages, living wages in the supply chain. So the, the the scope is broadening and the mental shift needs to be there. Maybe one point I also want to add and which always strikes me, in fact, is there is equality, of course, in the company vertically. Uh, but also if I take a look within the executive board and amongst different types of companies relative to size, you also see huge differences. If you look at the Netherlands, for example, the average CEO in an AEX firm earns five times what the CEO of a small listed firm earns. And Mm -hmm. that to me is also to some extent strange. So I think there is a lot of debate which could also transcend to just peer ratio debate. uh, You said, and maybe also go to Fabian on that, they compare themselves to their peers and they want to be paid better to their peers. But how do they determine their peers? Fabian, do you have an opinion on that? Companies can often use different peer groups. So we see that in a proxy statements, companies do disclose their peer groups and exactly which companies are in there. And we see that sometimes they use a peer group of companies that are in their industry. Sometimes they use a peer group of companies that are in the same country, for example. That's mostly valid for European companies. So it really differs. But Mm -hmm. normally companies use a peer group of about 20 sort of comparable companies. Yeah, and some companies are more comparable to the company than, than other companies. So it's always hard to find a perfect peer group. Yeah, so what, what they do then, and that's maybe also there, so if we take the topic of inequality and we take the, the, the top of it and we look at CEOs, uh, that's what we try to do here, then we can say, if I'm correct, that it is increasing in general, the, the remuneration, especially in the U.S., 
Well, I think, and, and that is something we really should be aware of. There is, a, there is an important difference between pay levels in the US and pay yeah. levels in continental Europe, yeah. which for me is also related to ownership structures, because yeah. in the US you have dispersed ownership, which we have less in continental Europe. Uh, and of course, that is not an easy one for, for large uh, companies. Now, related to the benchmarking, I think, and, and from experience, I can tell you, we, we, we advise a number of boards on the determination of the peer group. And mm -hmm. my experience is that boards should pay much more attention to it. It should be much more refined. We also do see that, for example, if the CEO has a longer tenure and a couple of these things, he or she might have a stronger impact on the determination of the peer group. And there might be some gaming in there. So I really would invite boards to pay more attention to it. And also maybe not to use just one peer group. I know companies mm -hmm. that say, well, we have a main peer group, but we also take a look at one or two other peer groups and we are not going to apply a mathematical uh, formula because that makes no sense. But as a board, we need to have a vision also ethically driven. And then we take a look, is this fair? Yes or no? So yeah. um, that is one of uh, point I want to make. Don't over-mathematize it. Yeah, some uh, normal understanding, some... some works better, but you said also something important about ownership structures, which determine also the difference in remuneration between the US and, and continental Europe. And there also comes in, I think, the financial sector as uh, one of the owners. And you see already for some years, I think, the struggle from a lot of uh, investors. What's our role in remuneration? What role do we play? And how can we, we be effective on in that role. Do you have an idea how they can approve? I think you have. So it's, well, it's an extremely interesting, but also let's be honest, an extremely difficult question. Why? Because we think to a large extent that in some cases we take for granted that executives are overpaid, which is not always the case. So with what we want to do, but unfortunately enough, we have seen some cases where that, that was the case. And of course the reaction by the government and the investors could be, uh, well, okay, let's monitor it all. And let's oblige them to make it all in formula. Let's determine our own peer group, control it, and so on. Well, but the main problem is that we are talking about human beings, human beings we want to motivate. And, and I think it makes no sense to say, well, let's develop a whole bonus formula. Let's program the person. Let's push enter. And then he or she is going to do it. And we might come back on it later on. I think there are some alternatives popping up. What I do see, however, is that based on, and I think it's it's well-intentioned, uh, based on all the regulations we have and, and the controls we want to build in, that executive pay is becoming overly complex. And that is mm -hmm. also something we need to pay attention to. Fabian, how do you see that? I would agree with that. So I think investors play a role in the conversation in that they have access to companies. So they can speak to investor relations, to management, or to, for example, the compensation committee in some cases. And there they can really via that way they can really try to make their opinions visible and also try to stir companies to change the remuneration package. But I do agree that it can be hard to do, especially when the top investors in such companies, which are usually the large asset managers and ETF providers, they have CEOs themselves that earn tens of millions and some, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. So if that's still the case, if those large investors if they don't really see the need for their investee companies to change CEO remuneration, it also gets harder for smaller investors. Yeah. But we are definitely trying to engage in a conversation with companies to make them change the remuneration structure and also to make them lower 
the size of the remuneration. Yeah. And for me, if, if, if I can add something on that, for me, the role of the board and the remuneration committee is really central in there. Mm -hmm. So that those people also know rewards in the breadth of the scope. So not only taking a look at the market perspective, which is still maybe too prevalent today, but also asking themselves, yeah, but what about the moral perspective? What yep. about the pay in the company outside and so on? And, and that is something we need to shift. So rather than having the benchmarking and the market perspective and the technical perspective in there, also the behavioral, strategic and moral perspective. Yeah, that's close to my heart, I have to say, that moral perspective. I, I was reading last weekend an article, and I think it was Nature, about the effects of inequality on sustainability at large. And there's also where the moral perspective comes in. If you would answer the question, what is reasonable in terms of executive remuneration? Is there a limit? This is a moral question. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Um, well, and I repeat uh, what, 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 what we do see, for example, is that there is a huge leverage between, for example, smaller listed firms and the bigger listed firms. Mm -hmm. and, and my question there is, is the job of a CEO in a large listed firm five times more complex than in a smaller one? I think we know the answer, and the answer is no. Yeah? Yeah, and from another perspective, is is his added value five times larger? So it can be about complexity, but it should also be about value. Yeah, but added then, value. then, yeah, but if, if you take a value perspective, it would be an interesting study to take a look at some CEOs that have left companies and what happened with the share price. And from time to time, you really see a material impact. However, does that mean that we, we, we need to say, okay, then pay can be skyrocketing? I think, and, and again, I would plead for combining the market perspective together with the moral perspective. And I do see a number of boards who do that, who say, well, sorry, we do not want to be at top of the market, but there is another element. And the other element is also the pay structure. There are companies today, and some people are having positive ideas in that direction saying, well, what we find important is rather than having the base pay and the short-term incentive driven by, for example, five KPIs, weighting this or that, and a target perspective and so on, mm -hmm. and then the long-term incentives with performance shares, and again, having those KPIs, I would not like to be a board member or every year having to, to, to mention all these uh, KPIs who say, no, so what is key is you have the base pay. So you need to be at rest, okay, to some extent, you have your, your job responsibilities and so on. And well, on top of that, either you invest part of your base pay in shares mm -hmm. or at the beginning of your mandate, you get a number of shares, which you cannot sell until the end or a couple of years after the end of your mandate. And that's it, because we think that in the long term, shareholder value and societal value go hand in hand. And we see a number of studies that prove that. So don't make it overly complex. Let's just do it this way. Yeah, I think it's already a little complex in, in the sense that there are a lot of elements that come into play. But Fabian, uh, let, let's take a very practical perspective how we at Triodos do it. Can you give some examples or just in, in general how we look at uh, CEO pay? Yeah. So before we start investing in a company, we look at corporate governance. Corporate governance is one of our minimum standards. And really the main part of that minimum standard is CEO remuneration. So first of all, we have two different thresholds. So we look at the size-adjusted CEO remuneration over the last five years, and then that size-adjusted for market cap revenues and the number of employees. Mm -hmm. And if that exceeds a certain threshold, then the company also goes to the second step, which is the CEO to median employee pay, so the ratio. If that's above 100 to 1, then the company would go to the third step. So that means that they breach the first two thresholds. And in the third step, we really look at remuneration in depth. So we take a deep dive on the remuneration structure. And if we think 
the remuneration structure is really bad or that incentives are, for example, badly placed, then we consider immediate exclusion from the investment universe for mm-hmm. that company or that the company doesn't get into the investment universe. And if in that third step, we think the remuneration structure is sufficiently good so that via engagement, we can stir those companies to improve their remuneration structure, then we start engagement with those companies. So then we include those companies in our engagement program. But if you would take a step back and look at some of our clients, then people might say, so you you tolerate a lot of inequality, so high CEO pay still. So, and also uh, a ratio from 100 to 1 is, well, kind of, I think a three of those, we are a 5 to 1 or something? for uh, uh, 7 to seven 1, to I believe. One. Oh, that's yeah. already more. But yeah. it's, it's <laughs> a different world compared to uh, 100 to, to 1. For your information, maybe if we take a look at the 600 largest companies in Europe, we have our own calculation in order to safeguard methodology. It is something like 40. So yeah. 100 yeah. maybe is not an exaggeration. Yeah. But why are you... Why are we doing that? So which companies do we have left for that third step then? If you as Yeah, we currently have about 120 companies in our equity funds mm-hmm. at Triodos. And of those companies, about 10%, they exceed our first two thresholds. Mm-hmm. So about 10% would enter our engagement program, except for two companies that we already concluded that their remuneration structure was just not good enough. So we excluded them from the investment universe immediately. So yeah, 10% breach our first. And those are mostly or exclusively US companies? Only US companies. Only US companies. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you hear that Xavier, yeah, uh, Fabian is doing that at Triodos, is that different from the markets or does everybody do, do the same? Every investor is looking at the same with the same... I would not say that, that all investors are doing the same. So uh, it depends. I think you are you are strict, but there is not a problem with that. Uh, so yeah, everybody has to decide upon whether you put a maximum limit, yes or no. Personally speaking, I would not be in favor of uh, imposing a maximum limit by legislation. But of course, that should be combined with a board daring to say no. Um, what I also would like to add is, okay, I see pay ratio is important, pay level is important. But the third element for me is also the pay structure and also the underlying criteria. What, what we have seen, for example, and, and I think it's important to share that with you, we took a look in one of our studies on how CEO remuneration has an impact on the firm's sustainability performance. And what we have seen there is that there was not an impact of the pay level, but there was an impact of the pay structure, meaning that if the LTI part becomes large, meaning concretely more than the level of base pay, that and ESG, the, sorry, the, the LTI is the long-term, the long-term incentive in the forms of shares, yes. Then the ESG performance went down. And it might look a little bit strange because you could say, well, if you have a long-term incentive, isn't that good for ESG performance? Yes, in theory it is. But one of the problems we see is that as we materialize long-term incentives in the form of performance shares, still the focus too much goes to the share price. So that's 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 one problem. So pay attention with a huge size of LTIs, which we do see, by the way, in the US. In the US, in in a lot of cases, base pay is 10% and all the rest. So I would also invite you to to also take that into account. And on top of that, we also see an impact of underlying key performance indicators. So we see that using sales as a KPI does lead to a lower ESG performance. So that's not okay. 
and also using total shareholder return as an underlying KPI for share-based pay is also not a good one because it focuses even more on share price. And using sustainability indicators? Uh That's a very good question. Uh, Well, I have to to be honest. In our study, we did not find a link, which is confronting because then you see that it, it does not make sense. I would say as an explanation there, we are just at the beginning of it. So if I take a look at how companies select ESG indicators and how they set the targets, they have a lot to learn. I see a number of companies that use ESG indicators that are not really material to them. So I think that is the challenge to to develop really a materiality analysis before that, an impact analysis before that, and then to say also as a board, hey guys, this is what we are going to focus on. So that is the challenge because there are other studies that also prove that it makes sense. Plus I think uh, it's also the case that many EST indicators are very qualitative at the moment. So for example, companies, they want to improve diversity and inclusion, but they don't really quantify such targets. But after a year, they, they just say, the CEO has improved diversity and inclusion within the company, so we award 100% of the targets yeah. to him as a payout. But plus also, we do see more and more ESG metrics in incentive plans, but they are mostly in the short-term incentive plan, so in the annual bonus. Yeah. Well, I do believe it would make more sense maybe to include them in the long-term incentive plan because yeah. ESD is really a long-term topic and you cannot change it within one year. Yeah. So maybe just to, to add numbers to that, what we uh, did see last year is that 60% of the companies had ESG indicators in STI and only 27% had it in LTI. And I have been thinking about the reason for this and, and I think I might have the explanation. I think the reason is that it's so difficult at this moment in time to set the right targets that companies say, if we put them in LTI, it's it's gone for three years. So if we yeah. if we take the wrong KPI or, or the wrong target and that they, tr- they start to learn by the means of STI. But in any case, it's a very, very hard task to say, okay, which KPIs in STI, which KPIs in LTI. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking of a different, uh, maybe... It's, it's off topic, but there's coming a lot of sustainability regulations also for companies uh, where they have to report on their impact on their ESG performance. And that would be a route by which also CEO performance can be judged better on those on those metrics. Don't you think that that, that would help so to getting a more mature measurement instrument in place? I'm sure that that is going to help and is going to happen. You see that a number of companies also include their auditor in checking yeah. uh, all the things there. Still, every company is different and still companies need to have their own sustainability strategy, which they need to translate. If you take a look, for example, at Schneider Electric, they have their five-year focus and every quarter they measure it, they take a look at the advancement and and, and that is really company-specific. You need some sort of scorecard in there, but but there you need a high level of maturity. So we we, we are on the road. Yeah, And you also see some companies that are still pushing out, including ESD metrics, because they are still measuring... ESD performance. So they say we are still in the process of measuring CO2 emissions reductions. And only when we have those numbers, we can really set good targets going forward. So so you also see that that happens. Makes me think that I once had a very interesting discussion with the CEO of a large company. And um, he told me, well, uh, because I said, I have a comment on your pay plans. I, your company seems to focus on sustainability, but I do not see a sustainability indicator. And he told me, well, for us, sustainability should be in the DNA of the people. We should not reward them for behaving sustainably, which is, of course, a very interesting question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, I I think we we touched upon a, a lot 
but I'm still as 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 a last question to both of you. If we have this discussion, we see inequality, we see problems with with metrics, how we measure things. That and that's also what you said, Xavier. We make it sometimes too complex the stuff. And also, Fabian, in in terms of engagement, yes, we have three steps of engagement. But if you look at the future for the coming five years, what should happen to make it that CEO remuneration that we at least can explain why people get paid so much and that we also can ask the right questions as an investor? What should happen then? The hardest challenge is to bring the level of CEO remuneration down. But I I think we can have more influence on really the structure of the remuneration and that incentives Mm -hmm. are placed the right way. And we started our engagement program early 2021. And when we look at the proxy statements of some of the companies that we have talked to, we do see some improvements already for, for those companies. So some of them have included ESD metrics. Some of them have expanded their clawback provision. So that means that in case of, for example, ethical misconduct of a CEO, the money can be recovered. Sometimes the use of options gets less. We oppose options because we believe it can encourage excessive risk-taking because of the non-linear payout of options. Mm -hmm. So we do see some improvements there and we think we can make most impact there. And in terms, yeah, really of the size of the CEO pay, we see that it's harder to influence also because we are sort of competing with the American shareholder base. And you see many of those investors saying the pay of a CEO should be aligned as much as possible with shareholder return. And the fixed proportion of the remuneration should be as low as possible. The variable portion should be high, higher than it is now even. So yeah, that makes it harder to really get CEO pay reduced. But we we are striving to achieve that via our engagement. I I also also see uh, a very interesting challenge on a board level. What I think boards need to dare to do, there is the sorting effect. So, Mm -hmm. for example, if you have a package with a high pay and a high incentive proportion and so on, you are going to attract a specific sort of people with with specific characteristics. And, and, And that is something, the behavioral impact and the sorting effect boards are not always aware of. We do see, for example, in the Netherlands, in Belgium, in other uh, countries, we do see a number of institutions that clearly pay less. Do they have such bad managers? No. But of course, the difference between their pay and, for example, in a couple of listed firms is huge, which gives them a feeling of inequality because we are always talking about inequality within the company, the pay ratio. But there is also inequality among CEOs. We should not forget that one, which might also have an impact. So I, I think that for me, it's very important. And we have done some of these exercises together with boards that a board fundamentally thinks about their reward principles. And and I concretely mean how they want to pay because today they say, well, we have base pay, STI and LTI because the market does it. And then we take a look at what the market does and we almost do the same. No, maybe we want to focus the attention or we need to focus the attention on the short term for a period of time or just the other way around. So that is how we get paid uh, the, the top managers. The second one is, What do we want to pay them for? Those are the criteria. And again, there we see today that we take a look at a number of KPIs that are in there in those incentive plans. No, no. The point is, what is key for the company? What are the strategic actions you need? And out of that, you will get the KPIs. And then the third question is, 
how much do we want to pay? And, and yeah. okay, which group? Uh, you, you have examples from companies that say, well, formerly we looked at financial institutions all over the world, but if we take a look at who we are today, no, we, we take it closer at home. And you need to be audacious. And it's not an easy one, eh? so yeah. it's not an easy one. But I, I think board needs to be audacious and really think about the logic and, and, and really fundamentally think about the reward strategy and also explain that in the remuneration reports because the remuneration report to a large extent is about facts and figures. Yeah. But why do we have that? Why, what are the choices we have uh, been making and so on? By the way, this also leads to a feeling of procedural justice at the level of the, the top managers. Yeah, very interesting. I, I think the, the, the red thread is it's about complexity, it's about transparency and it's in the end also about being able to explain what you do to everyone, so to the investor, to the to the board members, to everyone, and and that would help if we go further with that. That we at least can explain what 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 is yeah, yeah that, that's everywhere. A, that's also a very important point yeah. because earlier you saw companies not disclosing how exactly, for example, CEO payout was calculated, but you do see companies yeah. making improvement in that so that the public understands it a bit more, and that's that is not as discretionary the payout as, as before. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Xavier Baten, partner and professor of reward and sustainability of Vlerik Business School. Fabian Meis, uh, my colleague, CFA investment analyst at Triodos Investment Management. Thanks for listening. Uh, there's a lot more to tell about uh, remuneration, but we keep it uh, to this today. Don't forget to tune in next time. Also, don't forget to download our paper on CEO remuneration we published a few months ago. And subscribe to our channel, Inside Impact Investing, and let us know what you think. Mm-hmm.